Life is hard. Life is really tough. Of course, you know that. And um, it's tough whether you're a Christian or not, whether you believe in God or not. It just is. And last week, we, we kind of started there together in week one of the series. If you missed it, you want to get caught up on it. We found ourselves all in the same place, that we all have to cope, which means we all need hope. And that's not meant to be cute or pithy or just a cliche. It, it's meant to synthesize the reality. All of us have to cope. We don't have a choice. And in coping, it brings us to a point where we desperately need some hope. And that's why we're doing this series. In this series, we talked about this last week. We're not going to be able to solve anything or fix anything or make all the problems go away. But what we can do is join you on a journey towards mental healthiness. And mental health is something that involves you and is applicable to you if you have a mind. And all of us have a mind. And that should be something that we care about. Last week, we ended our time together with a foundational tool, a affirmation, a rubric of sorts, and it's, it's this, and we'll come back to it each week in this series, that we learn together how the end of the day, God made me, God loves me, and God is with me. This is true for you, regardless of what point in your journey you find yourself, whether you find yourself in a great mental health situation or a challenging mental health situation, God made me, God loves me, God is with me, which means... I have purpose. God made me, so I have purpose. And God loved me, so I have hope. And God is with me, so I know I'm not alone. We come back to this time and time and time and time again because it simply is true. Today, we're going to go a little bit further into this topic of mental healthiness, mental illness, mental health challenges. And we're going to spend a few minutes talking about anxiety and depression I lump these together knowing full well there are differences between anxiety disorder and depression, especially at the clinical level. I, I do understand that there are differences between how, however, there's very many similarities. They often come together as two sides of one coin, and whether your experience may be with one of these and not the other, chances are if you've journeyed through one, you've experienced some of the other. So we put them together because the journey towards healthiness is often very similar with anxiety and depression. I want to say right up front, when we talk about anxiety and depression, I want you to be very careful how you use these words, that you don't allow them to become cliche. Don't allow them to be just common words you throw around because they are. They, they just become common in our culture. Uh, it just You hear it all the time. I'm so depressed. I'm so depressed. Oh, my gosh, I'm so depressed. And I'm like, okay, they got your Starbucks order wrong, man. That was it. You're not depressed because they spelled your name wrong on the label or you know gave you one shot instead of three kind of thing. So, no, you know, yeah, you're you're. you're your dog chewed up your couch. I hate that. I hate that. But it doesn't, doesn't mean, you know, they may have a problem, but that doesn't, yeah, be careful. We throw these things around a lot, and it's, not only is it inaccurate, it's disrespectful and, and really unkind to, insensitive, rather, maybe, to, to people who have really been in the darkness with these things. 
And perhaps that's where you find yourself. It may have something to do with your past, something to do with your future, or maybe something that's going on in your life right now. Anxiety, depression. When we use these terms, we don't just mean, I've had a bad day. We mean the darkness that many of you are oh too accustomed to. Depression, anxiety can be a situational thing triggered by an event, a tragedy, something that's happened. And in that vein, may last for a period of time depending upon getting through that situation. That's real. At the same time, it can also become a seasonal thing that maybe your anxiety and depression is because you're in a season of life that snuck up on you, maybe a difficult season of life where things are very hard and it's a present day reality and maybe even a season of the year. We're entering into the fall and the winter, darker days, shorter days, colder days. A lot of people struggle often during this time of year more than others. And then there's actually, and some of you know this very well, unfortunately, a clinical side to anxiety and depression. And it, and it may be to a point to where it's so chronic, it's gotten to a clinical standpoint and needs to be addressed medically, very much like we talked about in week one last week of our series. So I don't know where you are on this spectrum, but chances are, chances are, either you or someone you love, a friend, someone you care about, somebody you work with, will know the reality of these words at some point in your life. And we have resources available. Let me mention that before we go any further. You scan that code on the uh, seat back pocket in front of you, the QR code. It will take you as well on our website, our app, to a place where you can find the resources you need to get the help you need. And that's, that's our goal as a church is to come alongside of you and help you get help and help you get to the right place and talk to the right person at just the right time. Today, I want to do a deep dive into a story that we find in the Bible. Last week, we talked about the fact that a lot of times what we do is we take these, these characters, these individuals in the scriptures, and we hold them up as, oh, these people are like spiritual heroes. They have it all together. They love God, and they're great men and women of faith, and, and they are, but they don't have it all together, and they're very much human just like you and I. We have stories just like we have, different issues, different times, different centuries, different millennia, but just as human. And one of these people you will find that we often hold up in high esteem, not realizing the mental health challenge that they experienced was a guy by the name of Elijah, Elijah, the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament. You'll find the story You'll find in his story that um, as great as he was, he also struggled with anxiety and depression. Let me give you the backstory real quick on this deep dive moment that we're going to have with Elijah's story. Elijah is, is experiencing in 1 Kings chapter 18 one of the pinnacle moments of his life. Great victory where he watched God put to shame hundreds of the false prophets of the false god, the idol of Baal. I'm summarizing a lot. I read it for yourself. It's a fascinating story. But the bottom line is, at the end of the day, God showed himself to be the one true God. 
and put to shame the false prophets of Baal. So you would think, you know, that's a high moment. That's a victory. And Elijah should be, you know, like going home going, yes, good day. Yes, great day. I'm going to sleep great tonight. But the problem is when word of what happened up on that mountain reached the palace in Israel where Queen Jezebel was, Queen Jezebel, you've was married to King Ahab. King Ahab was the seventh king in Israel's history, and King Ahab was not a great king at all. He was not a very righteous king. He was an evil king in many respects and married to Queen Jezebel. There's a name you probably are familiar with. Jezebel, right. You don't name your kids that. You just don't. Name your little girls. It's a great name for a cat, but you don't, you know... You get it, right? Jezebel. Queen Jezebel was greatly responsible for the fact that the false god Baal was present in Israel and being worshipped at all. I mean, this was a lot of her doing. So when she found out that this prophet, this hotshot Elijah, put to shame all the false prophets of Baal, she's ticked. She's upset. She puts the word out and lets Elijah know, I'm coming for you, dude, and I'm going to kill you. That's a bad day. A lot bigger deal than getting your order at Starbucks wrong, right? Here's what happened. 1 Kings 19 chronicles this. Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. Obviously, he's being hunted down. So he went from a, a real high moment into a very dark and low moment. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. Now, throughout this, and we're going to summarize a lot, but you're going to see characteristics in, in his story that you know, didn't come right out and say, you know, he's dealing with depression, he's dealing with anxiety, but the characteristics are there, and there's one right there. How you have a tendency when you're dealing with these things to withdraw you withdraw, right? The withdrawal, the isolation, the separating yourself. And you, often you do it on purpose, and sometimes you do it without even realizing you're doing it. He left his servant. He left somebody that could have helped him, that could have been of assistance to him on his journey, on his travels. And he went on alone, and he sat under a solitary broom tree. Look, it gets worse. He prayed that he might die. That's bad. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. For I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he laid down and slept under the broom tree, fully expecting or hoping or wishing or at least being okay with the fact that God would answer his prayer in his sleep. And if he didn't wake up, at least not on this side of eternity, he would have been just fine with that. That's dark. Some of you know that darkness. Others of you may have no idea what that darkness is like personally, but someone you love, someone you care for, knows that level of darkness. And it doesn't really matter what's because of. And here's the kicker with this. A lot of times you have no idea why you feel this way. It's not like something happened to you or you did something. It's just like all of a sudden, boom, it has descended upon you without explanation, without warning, and here you are in a very similar place of Elijah, no, no one's hunting you down, and there's no broom tree, and there's no, you know, but you're very much in the same kind of place. 
So God sent an angel. This is pretty cool. I'm summarizing now. Uh, you can read it for yourself, 1 Kings 19. Fascinating story. God sent an angel to wake Elijah up. And when Elijah woke up, there was food and water. And the angel said, you need to get up and you need to eat and drink something. So what did Elijah do? Well, he did the same thing that you and I would do if we woke up out of sleep by an angel who said, you know, eat and drink. He ate and drank. But then he laid back down again. So you find yourself maybe in a place where it's just like the motivation is gone. Sure, I'll eat something, I'll drink something, if I can. Maybe you're like Job. We saw his story last week, just a snippet of his story. He was finding it hard to do any of those things well. But he ate and he drank and he laid back down again. So God sent the angel back to to Elijah the second time and and said, get up and eat. You got a long journey ahead of you and and you're going to need this strength, which is a fantastic time to point out a hidden biblical principle that I didn't even realize was there until you do a deep dive in the story. You got to get this. Make sure you write this down. Take a picture of this. Don't miss this. This could change your life. What we learn here so far in the story that sometimes you need a snack and a nap. That's it, right? Thank you. We'll see you next week. What did you learn at church today? It's in the Bible. Sometimes you need a snack and a nap. Yeah, yeah. We were discussing this as a team. That was actually a reflection of one of our, our team members, and I was like, that's brilliant. I'm quoting you. Yeah, so that, I didn't come up with that. I'm not quite that smart, but I can resonate with it. Yeah. So what happened? He got up and he ate and he drank the food. Gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights. That's significant. We'll come back to that. To Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. Now, the 40 days and nights is significant because a lot of scholars tell us that the trip between Beersheba and Mount Sinai was about a 20-day trip. Took you about 20 days. Other scholars say, no, you really can't make it. If you're focused, you can make it in 12-ish days. So let's be conservative and say it would have taken most of us 20 days. Most people, 20 days. It took him 40 days, which is another characteristic of when you're dealing with, and maybe you can relate to this, right? It's a lack of motivation, the lack of drive, the lack of oomph, the lack of energy, the lack of care, the lack of whatever you need. Everything takes longer. Everything is harder. Everything is a chore. Elijah was there. So he finds himself in a cave on the top of this mountain. And again, summarizing a lot, God comes to him on this mountain to remind him of his power and the fact that he wasn't alone. And he did it in some very interesting ways. You'll have to read about it. It's fascinating stuff. But basically, God wanted to get Elijah's attention, and he did. He asked Elijah. He said, the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Like, this wasn't part of the plan. What are you you doing in this cave? Like, you didn't plan to be here. You didn't know you were going to be here. This wasn't, and maybe you're like, okay, yeah. Where you are right now, it's not where you ever dreamed you would be. So, So being able to, Survey where you are in life, maybe in a place that you never would have dreamed that you would be, dealing with what you never dreamed you would deal with. with it, it, it takes some perspective to, to kind of step back and go, 
What's really going on in my life? Let's get honest with why I am here. I don't know where your here is. But that's a great question. Why am I here? What's going on in my life? What needs attention? Watch how Elijah responded. He said, well, I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken down their covenant with you and they've torn down your altars and they've killed every one of your prophets. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Another characteristic of when you find yourself in this kind of darkness, it's like the world becomes very small your world becomes very small and closed and caved in and you had this overwhelming sense of isolation and it's just me. I'm the last one. I'm the only one left. Nobody knows. Nobody gets it. Nobody cares. It's just me here. We'll say more about that in a minute. But God responded. God responded to Elijah on the mountain. And again, summarizing. And what God did is he gave him a to-do list. He gave him something to focus on. He gave him some instructions that actually ended up helping him heal through this time of darkness and get into a much healthier mental space, physical space, spiritual space, just a much better place in his life. So God basically begins with this. Go back the same way you came. I don't want to try to read too much into this, but I do think it's interesting how God sent him right back to the place he was fleeing. How God sent him right back to deal with the thing that he was trying to escape from. And again, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a professional on that side, but I can tell you this, your journey towards healing will demand that you face the things that are really going on. To, to face whatever has happened in the past to bring you to this place, to face whatever is happening right now, to face what you're fearing in the future, or, or maybe it's none of those things and it's purely chemical and medical, or to face that. It's basically to face the reality. I want you to go back. I want you to go back. And, and he gave him instructions. The instructions involved finding a couple of guys, one by the name of Hazel and one by the name of Jehu. And actually a third one, a guy by the name of Elisha. God said, I want you to go find these guys. I want you to connect with them because they're going to help you. And in fact, Elisha is going to be your successor. He's going to be your sidekick. He's going to be your right-hand guy. I mean, I know you've kind of withdrawn and you've isolated yourself and you're convinced yourself that nobody knows, nobody gets it, nobody cares, and you're the only one and you're the last great one and it's over, so you're just ready to hang it up. But he says, nah, see, that's not true because I want you to go find Hazel and Jehu and Elisha and I want you to involve yourself with them and <laughs> there's 7,000 others. Elijah God said, there's 7,000 other people who have never bowed to Baal or kissed him or worshiped him or have their loyalty to him. You didn't know that, did you, Elijah? No, Elijah had no idea. He had completely forgotten about Hazel and Jehu and he didn't really pay attention to this guy named Elisha and plus the 7,000 others. I mean, he was just assuming that he was all alone. He didn't know. Because see, Elijah was experiencing something that is true for everyone who goes into these dark places and finds themselves into these dark places. And this is true for you, whether or not you've ever been diagnosed with depression or anxiety, when you're going through a difficult time, you find yourself, but especially this is true, if you're dealing with 
depression, anxiety, you find yourself overwhelmed and dealing with a distorted reality. You're overwhelmed, you're overwhelmed, Elijah was overwhelmed, I can't do this, I don't want to do this, I don't want to keep going, and he isolates himself, and he's no motivation, and he's ready to give up. He's overwhelmed and over it, and maybe that's where you are. You are overwhelmed and over it. So you just assume it's over. Elijah had a distorted reality, right? I'm the only one left. That's it. I mean, it's just me. It's just me. So you might as well just, just hang it up, call it quits, go, go use somebody else. The distorted reality. Maybe you're dealing with a distorted reality. And here's the kicker about a distorted reality. When you are dealing with a distorted reality, you don't realize it's distorted because it's your reality. That's difficult, right? You, you don't realize that what you're thinking and what you're feeling and what you're believing is not actually true because it's what you know and it's what you think and it's what you feel. And all you know is what you know and all you think is what you think and all you feel is what you feel. And all you see is what you see. And it's, it's, it's just narrow and it's caving. And it's, some of that's right. Some of you are right there. You're, it's always going to be this way. It's never going to be better. Nobody's going to help me. It's never going to get, it's never going to be any different. Now, I'm all alone and nobody understands and nobody cares It's a distorted reality. So what do you do? When you find your place where Elijah, when you find yourself in a place where Elijah was, and you're overwhelmed, and you're dealing with a distorted reality, well, you begin to do what Elijah found himself needing to do, that God helped him do. Whether or not you're dealing with a, a diagnosis, this is true for you, but especially if you're dealing with anxiety and depression, you need to do what Elijah learned to do. First of all, you zoom out. You zoom out. You know what it means to zoom out, right? Think of your phone. Think of your phone when you zoom out. When you zoom out, what you're trying to do is bring into focus a wider field of, of, of things in view than, than what you're already seeing. Like, I need to see more. So you zoom out. And it brings more things into perspective than you were seeing than you were aware of, than what were available to you. Now you're going to zoom out and now you're going to see more. And you're going to know more and you're going to understand more and you're going to experience more. Because when you're dealing with anxiety and depression, you are stuck on a self-view. Not by choice, necessarily. But you just are. That's how your reality gets distorted. All you can see is what you can see and all you know and feel is what you know and feel. And so you zoom out and realize, wait a second. My reality has been distorted. It's not something you feel shame over. It's not something you feel like a failure over. It's just your reality. And so you need help zooming out to broaden your view, to get a bigger picture. It's what professionals call cognitive redirection. But it really is about zooming out and getting a bigger view. Your distorted view is not all true. When you zoom out, you begin to discover all kinds of things that, hey, wait a second. I've been through very difficult things before. You zoom out and maybe you, you, you look back on your life and go, wait a second, I, I go back years ago and I remember when I thought I would never survive that, I would never get through that and God brought me through that maybe months ago or years ago. Okay, well then perhaps I'll get through this. Or maybe you've never been through this before and you zoom out and you look around and you're like, wait a second, I'm not the only one that's gone through this. They've gone through this and they've experienced this and look at the healing that they've experienced. Perhaps I can heal too. 
When you zoom out, you get a, a broader perspective. And sometimes you zoom out and you're like, you see other people around you that God has brought into your life to encourage you, to help you, to come alongside of you. There's all kinds of things you learn when you zoom out. And it's hard work to zoom out. Sometimes you need help to zoom out, to get a bigger picture. That's what God tried to help Elijah do. Say, Elijah, you're not the only one. There's Hazel, there's Jehu, there's Elijah, there's 7,000 others. I don't know who your Jehu is or who the people is in your life, the, the people are in your life, the Elishas, the Hazels, the people that God has brought around you, but they're there. They're there. You zoom out, you begin to see what you need to see. That's what God wants us to see. I don't have time to go into this, but you just need to know this. I'll say it real quick. Once you zoom out, you know what else it helps you do? It helps you get ready to zoom in. Because part of the healing, okay, part of the healing is the inner work that's got to get done. Okay, and that's where we need the counseling and that's where we need the therapy and often need help to be able to, to get in there and, and find out what needs to be healed on the inside of us. But here's the deal. You can't really do the inner work that needs to be done until, and, and, and my understanding, until you, you, you've done a good job of saying, no, wait a second, it's not just me. There is hope, there is help. That I'm gonna zoom out, now I'm gonna zoom in. Second thing, here's what you do. Here's what you do when you're in the darkness. You zoom out and then you do the next wise thing. How's that for technical? But it's true. It's what God was helping Elijah do. Okay, Elijah, okay, here's your list. Go back the way you came. I want you to find Hazel. I want you to find Jehu. The next thing you do, you got to find Elisha. This is what you have to do. Put one foot in front of the other. It's, it's right. And that's so hard to do when you're dealing with the darkness just to keep going, just to keep living, just to do the normal, natural things that at one point in your life you did without even thinking. You didn't even bat an eye at it. You look back on your life and you go, what happened? I used to be able to, and you will list all these things, and now all of those normal, natural, everyday things are a chore to you. You just do the next wise thing. Sometimes the next wise thing is getting real honest. I'm struggling. I need help. Some of you, that's the next thing for you is to admit you need help. I can't do this by myself. Sometimes the next wise thing is a snack and a nap. Right? You need to rest. Sometimes the next wise thing is to eat. Sometimes the next wise thing is to do everything you can to get out of bed and show up and engage. Sometimes the next wise thing is to simply brush your teeth. Now, some of you, some of you, you go, oh, are you serious? That sounds so weird because you haven't been there. And I hope you are never there. But some of you that have been there and that are there know that sometimes you can get to a place where just simply brushing your teeth is a celebration, a victory. And when you're there, brush your teeth for the love of everything. That's good. Please. Oh, no, no, just kidding. Yeah. You just brush your teeth and show up and do your day and go to work and engage. And it may be the most difficult thing you've ever done, it seems. But you do the next wise thing. Even when you don't feel it. The next wise thing for you is to reach out for help, maybe. To get counseling. 
to wait till no one's looking and scan that QR code so no one thinks. Listen, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone, so don't try to do this alone. Right? Think about that. I'm not alone. Why should I try to do this alone if I'm not alone? And here's the deal. You're not a failure because you need help. But you're not self-sufficient either, so you need help. I'm not, you're not. We weren't built to do this alone. Do the next wise thing. I will tell you this, the next wise thing will be a process. And it probably won't be over by Thursday. It's probably gonna be followed with the next wise thing, and then the next wise thing, and then the next wise thing, given your situation, but you don't wanna compare to anybody else's because everybody's journey is unique and different, but there's enough similarities that we have learned. When you find yourself in the darkness, zoom out. Zoom out, get help zooming out, and you begin to see, oh, then you do the next wise thing. And you remind yourself all along the way, God made me, God loves me, God is with me. God made me, God loves me, God is with me. Wait a second, even though I don't feel this, even though things are fuzzy right now and things are very difficult, I I know, I know this is true. God made me, God loves me, God is with me. So that means I have purpose, I have hope, and I am not alone. I can do this. I can do this. With God's help and by God's grace and with the help of others, I can do this because I have purpose and I have hope and I am not alone. Last week, we gave you a, um, a card that looks just like this. We call them verse cards because it's a card with a verse on it. And we're going to give you another one today with a different verse. This one from the prophet Isaiah, I love this one. Isaiah 41, 10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. That sounds familiar, right? It's a refrain over and over and over and over again. I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Some of you just need to know right now that God will hold you up and hold you together. And sometimes that's your full focus. Just God, hold me up. Hold me together. Last week, we also introduced you to a song with a very simple yet powerful message. You're gonna be okay. We're getting ready to share it with you again. Same song. And spoiler alert, next week, we're going to do it again. And the last week of the series, it's a four-week series. We're going to do it one more time because I don't know where you are in your journey, but sometimes you just need to be reminded over and over and over and over and over again, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Elijah need to know. You're going to be okay. You need to know. You're going to be okay. And listen, this is not a perform. We're not performing the song for you. It's not one of those like, oh, that's so good, that's so good. Because it's, it's, it's meant, it's meant to be a message. It's meant to be a lifeline. So I want you, as you hear these simple words, to just sit and receive it. Whether you feel it or not, just receive it because it's true. I don't know how it's going to be true but I believe it's true. And it, this does not change your, your situation, okay? Things are suddenly not gonna get fixed now, but it might, it might. 
help you take the next step in what needs to be changed in you just to know for enough just let it be enough let it be enough right now in this moment to know you're gonna be okay Love the part of that song where it says, You'll never face a valley alone. So true. It's what you begin to see when you zoom out. It's what you begin to believe when you you just do the next wise thing over and over and over again. As a church family, there's a lot of you that are struggling in many ways that you, you maybe have never shared with anyone else. We want you to know a couple things. We have a tool on our website, a prayer page, that maybe you don't even know we have. And you can go to the prayer page and you can post, even anonymously, you can post and say, listen, I, I'm struggling. I need your prayer. And, and others will pray for you. And when they do, you'll get a notification you'll get a notification that you've been prayed for. Sometimes that maybe that's all you need to just do the next wise thing is that reminder. And we can pray for each other and celebrate the journey towards healthiness and healing together. There's prayer groups on that page you can connect with all throughout the week. Online prayer groups. I've been a part of one for years now, a group of men that we, we get together and pray once a week virtually, online. It's, it's, it's really cool. We have other ones that meet in person. All that's there. 
we just need to come around each other. In fact, let's let's pray now. I, I don't know where some of you are in dark places, but I want to pray for you. Maybe maybe you just prayed out. Maybe you got nothing else to say to God than what you've already said. That's okay. That's okay. I think that's where Elijah was. It, he was just like, I'm done. I got nothing else. Maybe if that's where you are, that's okay. You're not going to be there forever. You're going to be okay. But that's where you are right now. We're going to pray over you. We're going to pray with you. And maybe you're like, no, that's not me, but I know somebody. I love somebody. I have somebody in my family. I have a friend. I work with someone. Then you pray for them as we pray for each other. Father, life is tough. You told us it would be. But you also told us that it was going to be okay. And that your power and your grace would see to it. But our reality right now, though distorted and overwhelmed, is that our, our brothers and sisters around us, and maybe even some of us personally are struggling. We, without words to describe it, we're without explanations to explain it. But we know the darkness. And for those of my brothers and sisters who are in that dark place, may they know the truth that you made them and you love them and you're with them and they have purpose. They're not alone. There's hope. Father, help them get the help they need to be courageous enough to to travel right back down the road that they're trying to escape and, and do the hard work of zooming out in the next wise thing that can be so difficult. Give them strength, give them courage. And for those of us who may not be there right now, but we have those we love who are. Father, help us to not offer just cliches and nice sentiments, but may we enter into the journey with them and come alongside of them and help them zoom out and help them do the next wise thing and we do it together. Father, thank you for your strength and your grace in this very difficult world in which we live. Oh, it makes us look to heaven and long for the kingdom and long for the day when you make all things new and wipe away every tear and there's no more pain and no more sorrow and no more death and no more any of the things that take us to these dark places. Oh, we look forward to that. We hold on to that truth. Until then, carry us. And may we journey together in Jesus' name. Amen.